I still have a voice at this time of day. Hey guys, how you doing? It's Juad with Hit the Apex Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this Australian Grand Prix preview edition. I will say up front that my voice breaking has nothing to do with any feverish conditions or having a cough. No, I'm absolutely fine. Touch wood. Touching a lot of wood here. My desk. Um, my noggin. Um... Because, yeah, we are heading into the unknown this weekend with the Australian Grand Prix. Of course, I will be there. Um, We've already had three people, three team personnel going to self-quarantine. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend. A lot of lots being talked about. (laughs) Yeah, such such strange, strange times we're living in at the moment, I guess. You know, it's it's hard to put my finger on it. I ended up getting some toilet paper too. I was I was running out um, about this time last week, and I'm like, "Well, what am I going to do when there's nothing on the shelves because everyone's running around like lunatics trying to stock up for the apocalypse or whatever?" Which you know, as I said last week, <laughs> toilet paper is the last thing I would want to stock up on if the world was about to end. I said, you know, I'd probably go to the bottle shop, get some snacks, you know, throw a bunch of meat in the freezer as well if I can. Um, you know, and basically just, hey, yeah, have access to my internet and that's it, you know, or if not internet, I've got heaps of records here, I've got heaps of CDs, a lot of content, um, that could easily see, see us through. So, yeah, anyway, sorry for starting on a bit of a somber note, um, just thought I'd get that out of the way, I will talk a bit about coronavirus throughout this podcast as it is, you know, not going to say wreaking havoc as much as it is causing a nuisance um, across the world at the moment. Um, MotoGP again has, you know, last week I said, well, you know, they've cancelled the Qatar Grand Prix for MotoGP class. The Thai Grand Prix, which was going to be the second round, was postponed altogether till later in the year. And we're all hoping the new season would start in Texas at... um, the Circuit of the Americas, but that won't be happening because last night they announced that um, because of the state of emergency in the state of Texas or city of Austin that they've had to postpone that too. So that'll be held now later in the year, most likely November. I think they've actually released the rescheduled date, but I haven't had a chance to look at it. Been uh, busy trying to do other stuff, chiefly organise, you know, what's going on this weekend for me as well, but good news is I will be at the Grand Prix, so keeping up, keep eyes on our social media feeds as well, hit the Apex Media on Twitter to see what's going on, and then of course if you follow me on my Instagram as well, you'll be able to check out my Insta stories, I'll have some photos up as well hopefully, so yeah, you know, that's, that's, current state of affairs um it will get mentioned a couple more time in this episode gotta say everyone best thing you can do wash your bloody hands you know wash your hands do simple things keep things tidy you know hygiene I'm, I'm glad that you know they're taking um not drastic measures because i'm normally a pretty clean person but you know at the Grand Prix itself, they're going to have hand sanitizing stations everywhere. You know, it'd be a miracle if the the public toilets there are kept clean. You know, not for the lack of the the cleaning staff trying to keep them tidy. It's just the the punters always make a mess in there. So, and I had a friend tell me this horrific story from um, Earthcore Festival a while ago, 
um, about walking into one of the the toilets and um, seeing not what was, you know, in front of him or below. It was more what was on the roof, so above him. I'm not going to elaborate there. I think your imaginations can probably um, do the thinking and figure out what I'm talking about. And I know I'm going a bit off track, you know, there's a lot to talk about anyway this week. And I'll see how long my voice will last too. Going to have to rest um, that ahead of the weekend. But yeah, so that that's that's that, you know, get some things off the top of my head, um, some thoughts initially. If you want to ask the question about whether we should be letting this event run and everything in an ideal world or, you know, realistically you'd say or for the sake of everyone's sanity you'd probably say no but given that you know there's been so much there's always so much preparation that goes into the race in Melbourne you know it's done in a public place it's not at a standalone circuit you know it's a public roads public roads that are converted into a racetrack many months of preparation go into it, you know, it's a big build, and then of course the the de-rigging of it as well afterwards takes almost as much time, but also it's kind of the spectators that make this event, you know, I know it's no, some people will say, well that's no excuse, you know, because everyone's safety needs to come first, and I agree with that, but I'm sure there's fans out there who would be disappointed that, you know, they won't get to engage with their drivers this year because they've uh, restricted the driver engagement between fans and between them and the fans. You know, there's no autograph sessions this year. Instead, there'll be like a Q&A session, um, even at the Melbourne Walk, which um, is a popular item at the Grand Prix. I've talked about it every year, basically, of how cool it is to see drivers be able to get this close to the fans you know I was a part of it as well many years ago when I was going in a fan capacity getting selfies and signatures and all that sort of thing so the fact that you know there won't be much interaction or any interaction there either is kind of sad and I'm sure a lot of fans will be disappointed about that you know the ones who you know 12 months ago they were rebooking their tickets for this year or they were buying tickets to say oh look I'm going to come to the Melbourne Grand Prix for the first time you know I'm sure those, you know, people will still be attending and everything, but at the same time, just exercise and caution. Wash your hands. That's um, that's my public service announcement, you could say, for this podcast is just wash your hands. Now, that's it. That's all for this week. I'll uh, see you guys next time. No, yeah, of course not. I wouldn't leave you without going over all the content that I have, and um, yeah, quite a bit of it too. I said last week after the testing wrap that I would sort of do a preview for the season ahead, you know, just to kind of a overview of what's to come you know what I would like to see what I think will happen potentially I'll drop a prediction about who will win the championship I mean I'm not big on that sort of stuff because I'm never right anyway or I could be boring and just say what's blatantly obvious <laughs> you know I'm sure everyone will seem this everyone will feel the same way about it as well um, given that we're pretty much it's a continuation of the rules that we had last year, you know, the regulations from 2019. Um, most teams have just, you know, upgraded their cars from last year or created an evolution spec, you know, rather than do something revolutionary. So overall, as I said from testing last week, the pecking order should still be the same, but where, you know, the unknown lies is that 
there's this expectation that we're going to see Ferrari and Red Bull challenge Mercedes for the championship. We're going to have this three-way title fight. But there's a great unknown in it about that because, um, you know, Ferrari are testing. They were saying, oh, we got no pace. We got no pace. You know, it's genuine. We are not um, making up rubbish or whatever. You know, so it's like, okay, so do we remove them from the equation altogether? And then Red Bull, you know, they put in a lot of laps. They had one of the most reliable pre-seasons that they've had in many years, you know, basically since the turn of the um, era, when, when we got into the hybrid turbo era. But the question is whether they can actually hit the ground running, you know, they've got to show up in Melbourne this weekend and, you know, if not win the race, you know, which could be possible to talk about in the, in the Grand Prix preview, but, you know, be on the podium, be, you know, within that crucial couple of tenths of Mercedes in qualifying you know it's it's all about that you know having the pace there because you know Mercedes they don't make mistakes or they very rarely make mistakes you know Lewis Hamilton this year gunning for seven world titles 91 race wins which you know I mean about a decade ago we wouldn't have thought that that was possible or when even in 2004 when Michael Schumacher did reach those heights reach those tallies and you know, reset the, basically rewrote the rule book, we didn't think for probably not even a decade, but maybe even a few decades, several decades, that we would see those records beaten, you know, obviously Fangio, one Manuel Fangio was the most, you know, has won the most championships before him, you know, five world titles, and um, now there's three in that group, you know, Lewis Hamilton, has gone past Fangio with six, and now he's within one of equaling Michael's record, so, you know, how's that going to play out for him this year, you know, that's that's the main thing, and I think he's the guy to beat, Mercedes have come up with another solid car, it seems, from testing, and he doesn't look like he's slowing down, you know, he's still on it, and as much as he says, you know, that, you know, the records and stuff is not really on his mind, I'm sure, you know, once it's all achieved and when he does it, because it's not a matter of if, it's it's not a matter of if, but when, you know, I mean, if it's not this year, it could easily be next year, the year after, however long Lewis decides to continue racing for, so, you know, that if factor is no longer part of the equation, it's it's going to happen, it's a matter of when, and you know what, for all intents and purposes, it could be this year, because it's, the onus is more on his rivals, I think, to actually show up to the table to, to take him down, I've already said Ferrari, Red Bull, you know, their pre-season, um, you'd be thinking that Red Bull will be putting all of its eggs into the Verstappen basket, you know, he's been solid over the last couple of years, but just hasn't been able to string together a whole season worth of a title fight, you know, sustain a title challenge, and that's not of his own doing, that's basically because the team hasn't shown up, you know, at times with the right car to be able to do it, so while Max is on there, and he's continuing to mature as a driver and make um, less mistakes, who knows about this year though, because his uh, best mate, Esteban Ocon's on the grid, so <laughs> he'll probably want to stay clear of that Renault if he wants to win the championship, but you know, I'm sure Mercedes might even 
give a, or Toto Wolf will give a, a phone call down the pit lane to his old um, reserve driver and Esteban and say, oh, well, you know, can you help us out here, mate? Uh, maybe um, get in the way or hold up Max, you know, similar to what happened to Alonso, Fernando Alonso in Abu Dhabi 2010, even though that wasn't, you know, of Red Bull's doing, but it was quite funny that, you know, he his title challenge just went up and in disappointment, basically being stuck behind the Renault of uh, Vitaly Petrov. Um, key key, key factor in all this is that there were Renaults involved in both those incidents. So, you know, what does that say? I don't know. I wouldn't read into it too much. So, yeah, you know, it's up to Max to be able to sustain a challenge and Red Bull to give him the platform to do so. You know, Honda have become more reliable as a power unit supplier in the last year. Their hope this year is to maybe not even take any engine penalties at all because, you know, they've had to change. You're only limited to three power units per season. Um, this year, I think they've added one of the MGU components, um, an extra component, because there was two previously. Now there's three. So, you know, with extra reliability, I'm sure it will stop them from having to undertake those changes and bringing in extra units while... You know, having the speed, reliability in there will make sure that they are able to challenge Mercedes. Ferrari, look, you know, Ferrari is Ferrari. You kind of have to accept that, you know, you can't be too disappointed if they don't they don't win the championship or they, you know, they're not there. You know, you can be disappointed if they go backwards from last year. You know, that would be a huge step. And there's still that whole thing up in the air about their engine from last year and whether you know it was because of that that they were getting the advantage in qualifying and then also the three races they won you know that goes up in the air too and then you look at two of those races are on power dominant circuits the most power dominant circuits on the calendar being Spa and Monza so you know that's still up in the air and it's I'm sure over the weekend we'll hear more from, you know, whether teams are going to protest or, you know, launch some kind of legal action. The FIA did respond to that statement last week that the teams issued all together in unison saying that the FIA has every every right to, you know, Ferrari's confidentiality, you know, and when they worded it that way, I think, you know, it's like any organisation, if there is some kind of HR matter going on or some kind of private settle, settlement being negotiated, they can do it behind closed doors and, you know, confidentiality is the term that is thrown around a lot. But at the same time, I understand why the teams are miffed about this because, you know, in a sport with so top of the table as F1, you know, with so much money involved, so much innovation and whatnot involved, um, transparency, you know, would be really good between all the parties, you know, given that it's so competitive, so yeah, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, I guess, in that, but at the same time, I said it last week when I suggested, well, if if they haven't done anything wrong, Ferrari, then, you know, they should come out and let everyone know. That would be the nice thing to do. But even if they had done something wrong, you would want to know too, because then it's like, well, that means we can protest the result of three races or all those pole positions. You know, it could potentially change, you know, the point standings from last year. But, um, you know, there's no time like the present, I guess. So we'll keep it in the now. Um, Ferrari, you know, a couple of things to look out for, though, this year with them is the driver dynamic. You know, it did get a bit frosty last year on track. 
only I, I gotta say because you know in the Netflix show it seemed like they were they were pretty peachy those two um Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel to the point where they were even encouraged to kiss each other if they have to I don't think they'll be able to do that this weekend too because the um press release in regards to minimizing driver contact also suggests you know no kissing or shaking hands or hugging cuddling you know even if you want to spoon you know you can't spoon this weekend you know, I don't know if there's a lot of spooning involved at the track. <laughs> it just sounded good in my head when I said it, but anyway, I'm sure there's people out there who would want to do that. <laughs> it would be terrifying, you know, if I were a driver, especially one of the younger drivers, you know, um, the under uh, the under 21, or, well, they're all over, no, not Lando and Stroll. Stroll over 21 yet? I don't know. I'll look at the program tomorrow and check out all their ages even though I could google them right now you know but you know let's let's you know support the print you know they a lot of effort goes into printing these programs and everything and you know I've got myself a nice collection here so you know that'll be good to add to the add to the pile but yeah I'm sure you know a lot of fans probably freak out drivers sometimes too so you know if someone ever suggested to to spoon a driver I'm sure it'll be a flat out no (laughs) <laughs> Let's take the conversation away from spooning though for now because yeah, the um, dynamic about you know on track what's going to happen between the two because it got, got a bit frosty last year. One thing to look at as well in this when looking at how the season's going to pan out is that Leclerc is locked in long term now. He's got a long term deal under his belt. Um, he will be the force that drives Ferrari forward in the future. Sebastian Vettel on the other hand can he do whatever he wants, basically, if this is to be his last season? I mean, it very well might not be because, you know, he might say, oh, well, you know, I'm excited by the prospect of 2021 and all that, and I want to go around another year. But if Leclerc outperforms him again this year, then Vettel is going to have to spend 2021 if he stays at Ferrari as number two driver. You know, there's no possibility of them being on equal terms, especially if Leclerc has another good year like he did last year. You know, I'm surprised that they're going to start this year in the same position as they did last year. But, you know, if I was to put my hopes on a Ferrari title victory this year, it would have to be with Leclerc, as you saw his races last year, you know, watching a few highlights again, him and Max going hammer to tong, you know, at Silverstone in Austria. Well, not really Austria, because Charles pretty much, you know, could have held the line a bit better, you could say, in hindsight. But at Silverstone, you know, it was basically like, I'm out for revenge, mate. <laughs> There's going to be a bit of um, a bit of a vendetta happening here. So, And in the end, it all came to Leclerc's um, benefit. So, you know, that's going to be one to watch out. But for Seb as well, if it is to be his last year and um, he's going to hang up the helmet or decide to go elsewhere... And he could totally do, do whatever he wants in that Ferrari this year. He could decide to ignore every team order until uh, Matteo Bonotto, you know, decides to stick a needle under his tyre and force him to have a puncture or, you know, hits the self-destruct button on the <laughs> um, automatic self-destruct button on the cockpit. So, you know, it's uh, all up in the air as far as that's concerned. But, you know, we've often seen drivers, you know, who might be on their way out or possibly even 
looking at retirement the next year, they might, you know, decide to say, you know what, stuff it. I'm just going to go all out this year. And we might see some good races um, from Seb as a result too. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see how things pan out. You know, it's going to be too early at the moment to, to say for sure that that'll be the case. But, you know, you never know. An off-season, whatever kind of an off-season that he's had um, has Vettel could, you know re-motivate him to come out this year and actually fight for the title like he was in the mix in 2017 he was in the mix 2018 but then basically for his own reasons and also team reasons um he wasn't able to sustain that title challenge so that'll be a couple of things you know as far as Ferrari to look out for one name that I haven't mentioned just yet and I will now um go back and talk about him is sorry little bit of hiccups is uh, Valtteri Bottas you know can the biggest threat to or will the biggest threat to Lewis Hamilton's seventh world title this year come from within you know will Bottas 3.0 show up this year you know because 2.0 was great you know first couple of races and then in the last last part of the season but where was he you know from Barcelona onwards so basically um, basically what we're going to need to see is Bottas is basically he's going to need to up his game again have as much porridge as he needs to um, to be able to challenge Lewis you know I mean Lewis is I mean it's, it's going to be hard to expose any cracks with him you know he can't do what Rosberg did in 2016 and you know get into that psychological warfare thing Um that's not the way to beat Lewis. I think Lewis has learned from that as well from, from 2016. So this time, yeah, it's going to be all down on ability, basically, or even luck, you know. I mean, luck is a big thing as well. 21 races, you know, Lewis might, Hamilton might have some DNFs, you know, some non-point scoring races of through no fault of his own too. It could be Mercedes reliability that comes into, into play. So there's a lot to potentially influence and you know basically yeah influence what will happen in this championship and um i reckon too this might not be the last we see the coronavirus impacted as well so are we going to lose more races potentially or possibility of the whole championship just uh being called off you know let's just do non-championship races because ross braun did say about a week ago that if one team wasn't able to race because of this then, you know, certainly it won't be a Formula One World Championship, you know, or you won't have championship races for points. It would just be like basically going out to the movies and watching um, championship races, sorry, non-championship races. And yeah, going out to the movies will be what you do in the Bahrain Grand Prix because, yeah, no spectators and you'll basically just watch it on TV. So yeah, Bottas to step up, you know, Ferrari step up. Red Bull step up. They all need to step up. Otherwise, I think you know Lewis has got the got the job done. You can give him his seventh title, not just yet. Let him win some races, assert his championship lead, and then we'll we'll see come middle of the season how everyone stands. But um, you know he's just such a consistent driver, and as much as you want to not look to the past or to the last year or whatever, as much as it is about eyes forward. 
you look at last year, his results and statistics, I think it was only two races or something that he finished outside the top three. So one of them being Germany, and then Brazil, I think, was the other one. So he's he was the benchmark for consistency, and he can totally be the same again this year. Um, still on Red Bull, I guess. I mean, it'll be an interesting to see what will happen for Alexander Albon too. He had a strong debut year last year, spent the second half of the season with Red Bull before being announced as the Red Bull driver for this year. But I think this year there will be a bit of pressure on him to be able to show those results, to get those podiums under his belt. You know, I think nothing short of podiums will be what's the expectation. You know, if Red Bull have a good enough car, we might even see Albon win a race this year. You know, I don't think he'll be a championship contender. But if Red Bull are in a position where they can challenge for the Constructors' Championship, then they will need Albon to, to bring in the results. You know, that's the problem that they had with Gasly last year. He basically couldn't get the best out of the car. He wasn't suited to the car, whereas Albon sort of it just it fit like a glove. Did the uh, RB15 from last year? So this year will be key year for Albon. You know he's he was quite mature, a bit un you know quite unflappable as well with the way he presented himself last year, the way he raced. So you know if we can see more of that this year, I'm sure he will be mixing it with the big guns out the front and yeah, getting on that podium too, which will be quite key calendar stuff now and yeah basically as we've mentioned a million times already no Chinese Grand Prix it's been postponed due to the coronavirus but I doubt that even though it's been postponed that we will see it feature this year possibility that even more races could be cancelled I mean we've got Bahrain happening behind closed doors but then also the first trip for F1 to Hanoi as well for the Vietnamese Grand Prix in just uh, just under a month's time actually so even that you know there's been word out of Vietnam for as far as you know them basically knocking back visas for tourists as well coming from certain countries uh, a few fans that I know a few friends who were hoping to go there for the race this year have had their visas knocked back from here you know from from Australia because of this so you know it's it's just yeah, it's a situation that they're going to have to monitor closely. And depending on how this weekend goes, I think that's going to basically shape the rest of the, the championship, you know. I mean, the next round or the first round when we get back to continental Europe will be the Dutch Grand Prix in May, first weekend of May, uh, the return to Zandvoort, which everyone's looking forward to. I've seen some onboard videos of the track, you know, with the new banking and everything and also... Max Verstappen running in an old Red Bull car around there looks phenomenal, looks fantastic. It looks like a whole bunch of fun. I can't wait to drive the track in the the game when the F1 game comes out this year. But it's all up in the air as far as what's going to happen. Otherwise, the calendar's pretty much the same. There's no German Grand Prix this year, as you know. Um, Second half of the season, um, there's a switch between Mexico and Texas because last year they swapped the two. So this year we'll have Austin GP before the uh, Mexico Grand Prix and then, yeah, Brazil Abu Dhabi to round out the season. So that's pretty key 
there that's the calendar now what is key sorry that's what I was supposed to say is that the early part of the year will be key to getting on top of Mercedes you know to be able to get some wins under your belt if you are a title challenger this year get some wins under the belt get some consistency happening and then just sustain that for the rest of the year because that's what Mercedes do best is they're they're consistent whether they don't have the fastest car or not it's up to their drivers, you know, the drivers get the result, the team get the result in the pit stops, strategy is always key, you know, they just make things work, you know, so at the times even where we've seen them not being able to to, to win the race on pace, you know, or qualify at the front all the time or on pole position, they find a way to win and that's because, you know, it's basically they're better than their rivals in these other key areas and that's where they've got to basically all step up so that's that basically for the championship midfield talked about it last week with the uh with the testing results racing point at the moment looking like they might be on top but again you know it's one of those things where for the whole season can they maintain that you know now they've got no problems as far as their financial security is concerned so they should be able to inject upgrades into that car all throughout the season the research and development should be able to go on um but also that that keen eye on 2021 too i mean how many of the teams are gonna not abandon what they're doing this year uh, but you know put more focus on their 21 project you know that's going to be key too and i think there's a lot of teams who you know basically will say well you know this whole last not decade but the since the start of the hybrid turbo era it's pretty much been a write-off for us because mercedes have had the head start we've not been able to catch up so how many people are going to look to 21 and then decide to abandon what they're doing this year too renault and mclaren behind racing point at the moment you could say renault revealed their car today the livery so you know pretty much the same apart from the addition of a new title sponsor in dp world but the dynamic between Daniel Ricciardo and Esteban Ocon will be critical because, you know, Ocon's a guy who's been on the sidelines for a year and basically is hungry to, to I'm not going to say annoy another teammate, but basically, you know, establish himself again. You know, he's he and Renault have made it clear that this is not just some kind of loan deal or one-off loan deal that he's been brought over from Mercedes. He believes or he's saying that he believes that um, he has a future with Renault and potentially taking him back to the top where they used to be so where does that leave Mr Ricardo then well you know he's going to be a big talking point this year because he's one of the key players off contract at the end of the year Renault are going to have to do a lot of convincing to be able to keep him so you know when you look at guys like Hamilton who's off contract Vettel off contract Bottas as well actually yeah, 16 of the 14 drivers are off contract. Sorry, 16 of the 20 drivers are off contract um, at the end of the year. So there's going to be, or there's potential for a lot of shuffling to go on for 2021. Potential for drivers who are not in F1 at the moment to, to make a case to come in. You know, you look at Mick Schumacher and F2 has been talked about as potentially replacing Antonio Giovinazzi next year. Fernando Alonso's name is always mentioned. I don't know why, it just don't get why I can't just give up you know now not that I don't think he's a great driver but I think sometimes it's just when you go past it to just to just stop you know I know the whole McLaren ordeal 
in his last few seasons wasn't ideal, but at the same time, you know, which big which of the big teams will take him, you know? Mercedes, who knows? Red Bull, probably not because of Honda. And then Ferrari, you know, do Ferrari want to want him back in the camp? You know, he was probably one of the key reasons to Ferrari's problems heading into the into 2014 and then all the changes that we saw in their management. So, yeah, that's that's a key and curly one that I'm sure we'll talk about again later on in the season. So that's looking at, you know, driver movement for potentially next year and how it'll influence this year. McLaren, though, I think they easily have what it takes to still beat Renault this year, even if Racing Point have skipped out in front. You know, Sainz and Lando Norris, they were fantastic. I think they're going to hit the ground running again this year. I mean, Sainz had a slow start to last year. He had three DNFs in the first three races. So surely, you know, if he had scored points in those races, his finishing position wouldn't have been any higher, but it would have been a lot stronger than it was basically because it came down to the last race to decide who was going to finish in that um, sixth position um, between him and the two Red Bull guys, Albon and um, Gasly, who was in the Toro Rosso at that time. So I think, yeah, they're going to have a good year basically building on what they had last year. Surely they can't go backwards. You know, they kind of botched it. They are a team with resources. Remember, it's the first year for James Key, first full year for James Key, and this is a James Key designed car, you know. Andreas Seidel, first full year behind the uh, team as team principal. Andreas Steller as the racing director, too. So they've got a lot of key personnel there, you know. Zach Brown, it's not much, it's not up to him much anymore. He's still there as the CEO of McLaren Racing, but, you know, he can take the back seat a little bit, you know, because Seidel from last year he did a fantastic job and I guess now with the team pretty much his from this start of this year I think you know we should see them grow even more and you know 2021 is the target I think for McLaren to get back up there to take that next step you know reuniting with Mercedes with engine supply so I think the dark days are hopefully behind them touching wood again (laughs) Alpha and Alpha, Alpha Romeo, Alpha Tauri, I guess, you know, some people say that they might be in their own world behind the likes of Racing Point, McLaren and Renault. Um, Alpha Tauri, probably more competitive, you could say, but Romeo, Alpha Romeo seemed okay in testing. You know, they were quick at times. They seemed really reliable. Kimi Raikkonen, you know, even though... <laughs> this could this could be Kimi Raikkonen's last year in F1 too. I mean, you don't really talk about that much now because he's not with a top team anymore. But you'd like to see him get a few good results before he goes out, if it is to be his last year. You know, he he could totally decide oh, I'm going to do 2021 as well because I want to sample these new cars. Ground effect might be cool. So we'll see how they go out. What who it is a key season for is Haas because. Last year, it was a poor year. Um, Gunter Steiner, team boss, has come out and already said, well, you know, we don't want to make Netflix... Uh, we don't want to get on the Netflix show again for basically the wrong reasons, you know. Uh, you know, Kevin Magnussen slamming Gunter's door down or whatever and him chasing him through the paddock at Silverstone. They want to have a good year. And um, I guess Gene Haas has already come out and said that they're going to assess their future pretty early on this year to determine whether it's worth staying in F1 if, you know, they're not going to really improve. So, you know, money talks at the end of the day, and if uh, he's not getting the results that he wants, then 
it might not be worth it for him to continue. So it would be really sad, though, given that, you know, we don't want to see that happen. We want to have as many teams as possible, many competitive teams too, which I think is the key word. But, um, yeah, we want to basically have a good good year for those guys so we see them continuing. And, again, you know, key year for Grosjean, key year for Magnussen. Grosjean, I think, will come under scrutiny a bit more given that, you know, he's the one who's caused, well, not trouble as much as, not trouble as much as, you know, he's not been delivering the results as much as they would have liked to. You know, I mean, you saw Magnussen put in that awesome lap in Austria to get into the top 10. Then he had the penalty. Then in the race, it basically just fell apart for him because, you know, the tyre troubles that they were having. So um, that'll be a key thing to look at too. And then Williams too. I mean, Williams could be in a position to be ahead of Haas even because, you know, they've made upgrades. They've come leaps and bounds from last year you know just from their pace that they showed in testing and you know what we saw from them being the first team on track you know George Russell um, feeling like he can be scoring points this year you know not maybe on a regular basis but you know semi-regular to be able to get some points on the board get that prize money in the bank too so going to be a key year for them and also Nicholas Latifi too how does he fit into the team and you know he's had a pretty good junior career you know he didn't win the F2 championship last year he was the runner-up those honours went to uh, Nick DeFries of course who's racing Formula E for Mercedes and he's doing quite well there at the moment so for Latifi too I think yeah this will be a character building year in the Williams um, and if he can score some points, that would be fantastic because all it's going to do is shore up his position for next year, you know, and that's what you want as a rookie to be able to secure your drive for next year unless you are like a Lando Norris or George Russell who just from the outset in their Formula 1 careers just show how amazing they are. So that'll be that'll be that. And yeah, you know, Williams hopefully scoring points this year will be good too. But then, yeah, a lot of the off-track stuff, I think, will revolve, you know, obviously now around coronavirus. But 2021, too, with the major change in regulations, technically, commercially as well, what are the commercial regulations going to look like? Liberty Media taking all sorts of flack at the moment because of how they're handling coronavirus and the fact that, you know, some people think we shouldn't be racing this weekend or just, just cancel everything. You know, their stocks are going down, it's the end of the world, blah, blah, blah. And then even, this was kind of very weird. I'm not going to say left-wing because it's the opposite of left-wing altogether. But given that they've announced that they want to head to a carbon neutral or net zero carbon future, they've gone and announced a um, sponsorship deal with one of the biggest polluters on the earth, Aramco, which is a Saudi Arabian oil company you know so they were and that's factually true that they are one of the biggest they were named last year as the biggest polluter in the world so you know whether that's going to be a new partnership to benefit both parties where you know they invest heavily in research into biofuels and synthetic fuels we'll just have to wait and see but you know hopefully this isn't something that you know they've done just because they need a splash of cash or something because uh, of the tough times so 
there we go, you know, 40 minutes in, and that, that's how long it took me to do a preview for the whole season, or not even, we didn't even do it race by race, or so just, just talking casually, so just goes to show you've got a lot on my mind at the moment that I like to express to you guys, so thank you so much for listening, we're not done yet, <laughs> we'll go straight into the Australian Grand Prix, so this weekend, you know, I'd like to say that there's that buzz around the new season starting, the first day back at school thing. Maybe we'll see when we get to the track tomorrow, but I think the whole coronavirus thing has dampened the build-up, you know, and we've seen already with the press releases and the announcements of drivers having limited engagement with fans, you know, there won't be any spooning, there won't be any autographs, there won't be anything like that this year, which is a bit of a shame, of course, Um Three team personnel have already self-quarantined, you know, I think we're going to just have to be cautious every day, and that's up to me too, to do my part, you know, I've got to make sure that I am very hygienic at the track, make sure, you know, I'm not touching things after sneezing or coughing, you know, make sure I use a tissue to sneeze, or if not a tissue, just into my sleeve, wash my hands every time I can, um, basically after handling anything, so, you know, this comes down to the individuals as well, basically, to make sure that their hygiene's up to scratch, because what is really annoying is um, there was someone who went into self-quarantine after rocking up at an... Just as I yawn, it's uh, 20 past nine here, it's uh, recording this rather late, it's because I wanted to do it today instead of tomorrow when I normally record, um, you know, the guy basically, an elderly gentleman basically rocking up to Albert Park uh, Hotel there with a virus, you know, and as a result, you know, and that's because he came back from overseas and didn't follow protocol, so there's going to be people out there who are just either don't understand what's going on or just don't give it, really give a hoot, and as a result are going to get other people sick, so going to have to be cautious each day about that, it's good, as I said, they've got, you know, hand sanitizing stations all over the track, um, well, I can't confirm firsthand, but, you know, just from what I've read, that they've got that all over the track now, so the onus is on people, too, to make sure they do the right thing, and, you know, I guess, yeah, whatever happens, happens, and I said, you know, I'm, you know, again, just basically slamming my desk, touching, <laughs> touching the chipboard that's there touching the wood that you know we everything goes okay and we don't get sick so yeah <laughs> that's that as far as you know on track stuff is concerned you know the big question is always how will pace from testing translate to racing in anger for the first time you know mercedes have been really strong around here since the turn of the hybrid era 2014 the last six pole positions basically since 2014 have been taken by lewis hamilton and then only and altogether he's got eight in total because of the two that he took with mclaren as well in the past though his conversion rate hasn't been too great he's only had two wins at this venue um last year valtteri bottas won bit of a strategy problems for for Lewis and then Valtteri also getting uh, getting a good start so that's that Red Bull you know their first podium in the hybrid era came last year so you know it took them long enough to get up on the podium in Australia because you know 2014 with Daniel Ricciardo doesn't count thanks to their fuel flow irregularities or whatever you know maybe you know 
Ferrari was looking at that when they tried to put themselves in the same situation. You know, they've had some good fortune in the last few years with um, Vettel winning back-to-back in 17 and 18. Again, this year, an unknown to how they're going to fare. So, you know, for everyone's championship hopes, they've got to hit the ground running in Melbourne and, um, you know, get on the podium, collect much as much points as they can, win the race if they have to. Remember, fastest lap also gets you an extra point if you finish in the top 10 too. So there's another little um, quirk that they can rely on too. Not that it's going to make all too much difference. It will only if they take the championship down to the wire. So, But it's there if they need it. As far as um, running is concerned and everything, well, Friday there's a bit of a rain threat about for FP2 um, later in the day. So FP2 starts here at um, 4 o'clock local time, which is Australian Eastern time. So, yeah, there could be some rain about in the air. That could curtail running in um, FP2. But FP1, it should be nice and sunny, hopefully. It's going to be hot tomorrow, hot Friday, and then cool change kicks in Friday night. Then Saturday, Sunday are going to be relatively cool days, but the sun will be out. So that's exciting. It just will be exciting FP1 on Friday to see the cars roll out for the first time, hit the track in anger, and, you know, away we go for another season. (laughs) Um, Racing point, potentially an outside threat for the podium. You know, that's basically what testing suggests. Can they be up there? Who knows? Renault, I've already talked about their livery. Daniel Ricciardo, he's taking measures to avoid burning out this weekend, which I guess normally happens to him on his home Grand Prix, and his results at home have not been fantastic, and then last year, running over that drain, like, that's just, you know, everything that could go worse, uh, sorry, everything that could go wrong went wrong for him last year, unfortunately, and it was funny actually seeing that they've taken measures this year to (laughs) actually put concrete over that drain to make sure it doesn't get no one hits it this year, so there were some photos of that being circulated around, so that was a bit of a thing on the track that they fixed this year, and also I just decided to throw in there, you know, will there be more attention on Carlos Sainz this year, because last year he didn't get very much TV time, you know, it'd be nice to see a bit more of the McLaren on TV, especially Carlos Sainz, who did such a great job, podium in Brazil, finished sixth in the Drivers' Championship overall, and, you know, destined for great things, destined for great things. But yeah, you know, hard to say at this moment. Melbourne's a bit of an outlier when it comes to other tracks. So, you know, you could easily be boring and say, oh yeah, Mercedes will win it. But, you know, I'm sure we'll be in for a great race. Tyres, similar to last year, you know, there will be multiple pit stops, you think. Potentially one, depending on how tyre management is. But don't count out two or someone taking the gamble on two stoppers as well to, to see if they can get to the line first. So that's F1 done, you know, um, quite a bit of content covered on this week's podcast um, and just now it's on to the race weekend and see what comes of that. I'm sure there'll be plenty of storylines to talk about next week. But before I go off for this week, I will talk supercars as well just a little bit because that is like the main support category this weekend, even though we do have Carrera Cup on the board and it's going to feature Craig Lowndes actually. He's going to be doing a Carrera Cup appearance this weekend TCR Australia and the S5000 which I did get to see at Sandown last year they were exciting S5000 already said last week we've got a few high profile drivers actually contesting it you know Rubens Barrichello uh, Giancarlo Fisichella Jack Aitken the the Williams reserve driver 
so sad there's no WTF1 branding on his on his S5000 car, but that's okay. Um, James Davison, as well, who's done S5000 before, um, and Thomas Randall too. Um, as I talked about last week, you know, fighting testicular cancer at the moment and um, being given the green, green light to, to race. And then, of course, you know, the next round of Super 2 in um, Tasmania as well in a few weeks' time. So good on him for that. And, yeah, TCR Australia, those little pocket rockets, it'll be exciting to see them and see GRM on track for the first time this year, obviously, because they're not in supercars. So there's a revised format. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll go into the details, the nitty-gritty um, revised format for the supercars this weekend. So last couple of years since we had the championship round come online, we've had, you know, two long-distance races or like 25 lap races. They're not really long distance, but they had compulsory pit stops and then two sprint races, 13 lappers, which were just, yeah, sprints with no pit stops. They've revised that for this year. So they've got... Um, because I guess they've got lesser support categories than they did last year because they had Formula 4. They also had Oz GT as well and some other stuff happening. They've got four races still, but they're going to be 20 lap races um, with pit stops in there too. So, you know, five laps less than what they were doing last year. So I think they're like 45, 50 minute races. They will have a pit stop involved too. Four quick fire quali sessions to set the grid for all four of the races. That'll take place on Thursday or Friday, I think. You know, Friday, early Friday or actually no, Thursday evening it usually takes place to set the grids for all of the races. So, you know, it's key to get a to start as far up the front as you can. Um, even though, you know, you might not have your car in the window early in the weekend, you're going to have to, to be able to get into quality, quality spec and then, you know, turn up for those races and have a good rest of the weekend. You know, it's always, you see the cars go mental heading into turn one, you know, they fan out four or five cars wide, you know, then obviously the space decreases as, you know, further into turn one and then the exit of turn two you go, that um, chicane, so they're a bit mental usually, but you know, it's not going to be as crazy as Adelaide, you know, it's not as gruelling as a track as Adelaide, it's a bit more flowing, a lot of high-speed corners, which, you know, is going to really test, I think, the aero balance as well that we saw over the off-season, um, Ford dominated here last year with the Mustang, you know, four wins out of four, three out of four for Scott McLaughlin in the the DGR Team Penske Mustang, and then Chas Mostert, of course, winning the race that um, McLaughlin got knocked out uh, on the warm-up lap by Cameron Waters, so the front row taking each other out of the grid from the grid. So, you know, they were the stronger car last year. They had the better aero, so, you know, this will be a real test now in the uh, with the new aero specs to see who's on top. So, you know, Triple Eight was strong in Adelaide, I said. I wasn't hiding about it or mincing words. It was like, yep. They were quick in qualifying, quick in the top 10 shootout, and then apart from what happened on Sunday with Shan Van Gisbergen and um, the pit stop drama, he would have won the race well ahead of Scott McLaughlin. So, ball's in their court at the moment, even though Scotty's leading the championship, but, you know, at a circuit like this where traditionally the Ford cars have done a bit better with their better aero, we might see, um, see them up there, but who knows. Another team to look out for, Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, of course, because, you know... I think Zach Brown's going to be on hand this weekend. Not sure about Michael Andretti. 
he'll probably be, yeah, because they've got the first IndyCar race as well this weekend in St. Petersburg, so I'm sure we won't see Michael Andretti, but yeah, Zach Brown, I'm not too sure if he's making the trip out to Australia, but strong showing from them in Adelaide, um, Chas Mostert getting on the podium, he was strong, you know, and this is the venue that they won last, um, back in 2018, um, Scott Pye winning um, that <laughs> quasi-night race, basically, because, you know, the conditions were horrendous i watched the replay of that actually the other day and i was like wow you know they were really battling for grip and it was just such a treacherous track at that time you know and um scott managed to cross the line in the in the lead beating jamie wincup by the narrowest of margins so yeah last time that they won was back here and quite interestingly you know talking about Chaz mostert um he is the last non- triple eight or dgr team penske driver to win as well um because after his win in melbourne last year there was just domination from those two teams for the rest of the season so you know whether that's going to change this weekend because you know in previous years we've seen four different winners from four races that was in 2018 um we've seen you know all sorts of crazy stuff happen it'll be a good good little um you know, support round as always, but at the same time, it does kind of steal the show at moments too over the rest of uh, the competition, you know, so or like Formula One and all. So, yeah, really excited to see what they do this weekend for supercars. I did, you know, I'm lucky that they made the announcement today about what's happening with Team Sydney. Otherwise, I was just going to put a speculation question mark thing in there and say nothing's really been said about who's going to replace James Courtney, but that is no longer required because they've announced that Alex Davison will be driving for them full-time this year. They've got a new sponsor coming online as well, Beef Jerky. It doesn't say Beef Jerky on the side of the cards. I think, it's, is it Legends or Local Legends, something like that? But it's a, it's a jerky. It's a type of beef jerky. So having Beef Jerky sponsoring a car, you know, in naming rights capacity, you know, it's fantastic, I think. Unless you're a vegetarian or vegan, I don't think you'd appreciate that very much. Not that there's anything wrong with it, you know. It's we've got to explore other other areas, you know, and more sustainable ways to eat. You know, that's Lewis Hamilton's message. He will, I'm sure, be trying to communicate that. Or he doesn't really during the race, you know, at the track or anything. But you know, in his social media posts, he's very vocal about that sort of thing. And it was so nice to see him, you know, at Wires Wildlife Rescue as well in New South Wales to actually first-hand check out all the devastation and check out the wildlife that survived the um, the bushfires. Now, obviously, Hamilton did make a very generous donation to the Red Cross and to, to Wires, as many drivers across the world, whether in Formula One or other categories in the world, have done. So, you know, that was really touching. And, yeah, seeing Lewis with the, the wildlife affected as well shows how much he cares about that thing. And I think, you know, this weekend they are doing a few charities, um, a few little competitions. I think the Haas boys have got some gear that they are going to auction off. Same with uh, Daniel Ricciardo as well with his race suit. So, you know, even though they're not burning anymore, those fires, we're stuck in a toilet paper epidemic. Um you know, the devastation is still being felt and, you know, there's there was this whole thing, this is getting a bit off topic, but, you know, there was this whole thing, you know, immediately after, you know, when the donation started and everything that people are coming out on social media and 
criticizing charities, blasting charities, saying, oh, you know, they're not actually putting 100% of the money to the actual, um, to the bushfire affected areas. I mean, what's going on? You know, they're, they're not putting all the money in. It's like, well, you can't actually go into a town or a regional part of the country and literally just throw cash at everyone. It's, there's a, there's a, you know, whole systematic way of doing it. It's not like the money is being withheld or like falsely donated or whatever. It's that it needs to be allocated to, you know, to the specific resources, you know, like a whole community or a whole town, you know, if it requires rebuilding, it's going to take years or you know months to years to be able to do that you know and that money gets saved you know while it might not be put to immediate use it gets saved for future use you know for projects you know when they've got to rebuild things like schools or you know public areas you know businesses and all that you know that's money is kept for for all that sort of thing so yeah the fact that you know some people just want to come out and blast the good work that other people are doing it's just it's just very upsetting you know we all you know everyone's done such a great job I think you know I mean it's good to see the good side of humanity when you know we have tragedies like this and people do uh feel generous they dig deep um and we get you know people like Lewis Hamilton in the world you know using his influence and power for for good you know and that's great and other drivers too who you know auctioning off pieces of gear um donating money making cash donations it's just really heartening to see and you know that's you know they get criticized oh yeah you're like celebrities you basically live in your own bubble at the end of the day we're all human it doesn't matter you know some people they're like celebrities or they want to live that kind of life where they're oh, I'm better than you you're a bottom feeder blah 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 it makes no difference, you know, we're all flesh and blood at the end of the day, if I stand, you know, stand opposite to you, I mean, what's the difference between us, apart from bank balance and, um, you know, social status, nothing, so, yeah, you know, it's just these material things that sometimes do give me the, you know, get me a little bit worked up, but, you know, I'm gonna save that spiel, not gonna talk about it on this podcast, um, but yeah that's that's pretty much it then but hope everyone takes care though um with what's going on in the world if you've got travel plans of course you know just look into look into it reassess if you have to um i know i'm gonna have to talk to the travel agent next week and um, find out what my options are as far as my own travel plans for later in this year are concerned um and then yeah for the grand prix too if anyone's attending hope you uh stay safe stay hygiene keep up the hygiene or whatever and um you know we'll be back hopefully this time next week to talk about what happened at the australian grand prix and hopefully it is stuff on track i'm talking about and some positive stuff rather than you know the fact that there was a lack of toilet paper or something (laughs) anyway guys take care enjoy remember follow me on hit the apex media on um, twitter to be able to keep up to date with uh, what i'm doing at the grand prix and of course if you follow me on my personal instagram as well you can um, have a look at some of the photos and uh, the insta stories that i put up so yeah thanks take care and catch you next time